I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever wonder common questions like why mosquitoes bite you more than your sister? Why we don't just wipe out mosquitoes altogether? Or how it is that there's a Lyme disease vaccine for dogs, but not for humans. Or maybe you wonder some off-the-wall questions, like how ticks transmit meat allergies, if eating parasitic worms is ever a good idea, or how stomach botflies manage to breathe as they live deep in the bellies of horses. We hear about diseases, science, and blood-sucking insects in the news all the time. Wouldn't it be nice to have a friend who knows all about this stuff and can answer your normal and wild questions? Well, now you do. I'm Raven Forrest Frescalzo, the host of Tiny Vampires. Every episode is a question from a listener. I tell you about how the scientists discovered the answers to that question and describe how all of it applies to your life. Diseases can be scary. Science can be mysterious, and blood-sucking insects can be frustrating. So let's go on a journey to uncover these answers together. Hello, everyone. I'd like to make a quick note before we get into today's episode. This episode is going to be about religion, which is a topic that I've sort of been dreading uh, addressing directly. You might say, Ben, we've talked about religion, but... We haven't really gotten into it yet, and it was always something that we were going to have to do, given the topic of this show. I've been dreading it not because I have anything against religion. In fact, quite the opposite. I find it fascinating, which is sort of why I chose this show topic. And I have genuine respect for people of all religious beliefs. The difficulty is trying to balance my usual gregarious good humor with uh, trying to show respect for people of other beliefs. Um, In today's episode, I tried my best. It's an interview, uh, so that should also be kept in mind. In the future, I may be doing more of these, depending on whether you guys like them, how it goes, and stuff like that. Um, Given my relative outsider perspective. It's uh, occasionally useful to get insider perspectives, um, though I am limited by the people who are, you know, willing to participate. All of that is to say that um, 
I'm really hoping that you guys like this one. I am really hoping that we're not offensive to anybody in this episode. Uh, if we are, I deeply apologize in advance. Again, uh, if you have any concerns, or as I say in the show, if you have any concerns or comments or complaints, uh, get in touch. I'd love to talk through them with you. Uh, and if you, um, you know, if you have any points uh, where we've caused deep offense, uh, of course, I, I'd like to address that in the next episode. So, all that out of the way, uh, I hope you all enjoy this episode. This afternoon, led by curiosity and good company, I strolled away to Mother Church, or rather, Grandmother Church. I mean, the Romish Chapel. Heard a good short moral essay upon the duty of parents to their children, founded in justice and charity, to take care of their interests, temporal and spiritual. This afternoon's entertainment was, to me, most awful and affecting. The poor wretches, fingering their beads, chanting Latin, not a word of which they understood their paternosters and Ave Marias, their holy water, their crossing themselves perpetually, their bowing to the name of Jesus, wherever they heard it, their bowings and kneelings and genuflections before the altar. The dress of the priest was rich with lace, his pulpit was velvet and gold. The altarpiece was very rich, little images and crucifixes about wax candles lighted up. But how shall I describe the picture of our Savior in a frame of marble over the altar at full length upon the cross, in the agonies, and the blood dropping and steaming from his wounds? The music consisting of an organ and a choir of singers went all the afternoon, excepting sermon time, and the assembly chanted most sweetly and exquisitely. Here is everything which can lay hold of the sight-eye, ear, and imagination. Everything which can charm and bewitch the simple and ignorant. I wonder how Luther ever broke the spell. Letter from John Adams to Abigail Adams, Philadelphia, October 9th, 1774. Everyone's right and no one is sorry. That's the start and the end of the story. From the sharks and the jets to the call in the morning. It is impossible to overemphasize the paradox represented to every hiography, even the most elementary. By manifesting the sacred, any object becomes something else, yet continues to remain itself, for it continues to participate in its surrounding cosmic milieu. A sacred stone remains a stone, apparently, or precisely, from a profane point of view. Nothing distinguishes it from all other stones. But for those whom a stone reveals itself as sacred, its immediate reality is transmuted into a supernatural reality. In other words, for those who have a religious experience, all nature is capable of revealing itself as a cosmic sacrality. The cosmos is in its entirety, can become a hiography. Quote from The Sacred and the Profane, The Nature of Religion by William R. Trask. Twillard. Quote from The Sacred and the Profane, The Nature of Religion by Willard R. Trask. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. I'm feeling. I'm so sorry. I'm so silly today. That's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Greetings. 
Greetings, my name is Benjamin Jacobs, and this is Wittenberg to Westphalia, episode 60, Living the Life of Catholic Supplemental, Modern Catholicism. I have not made it a secret that I grew up in the Jewish religion. Specifically, I grew up within the Reform community. That said, many of my family members converted to Judaism, and I sort of thought I had a handle on what went on in Christian services. After all, Reform Judaism's liturgical rituals were very heavily influenced by various Protestant denominations in the late 1800s, and the Christian services I have attended had a similar structure, so you know, I thought I was good. Of course, all my relatives that converted used to be Protestants. The reality is that while some religions have similar structures in their services, and while all religions arguably share common themes and elements, the ritual practice of religion can vary widely, even just within the Christian tradition. Why does this matter? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but this is a show about the wars of religion. As we begin to close our third season and enter our fourth, one of the key themes we will be examining is the way ritual practice changed within the Western Catholic Church. But for many of us, the changes being described may not really mean much, because many of you, like me, are not Catholic. Even the Protestants out there may not really understand how the practices I describe over the next season relate to modern practices, and then of course, many of you out there are Jews, Muslims, Atheists, Pagans, or Mets fans. Which brings us to today's episode. In addition to being the talent behind the excellent American Biography podcast, Thomas Daly is a genuine, lapsed Catholic. While hardly a scholar of Catholicism, that isn't really what we're looking for today. Today, Tom and I are going to discuss, basically from a sort of anthropological perspective, the rudiments of modern Catholic ritual practice as understood and practiced by a normal person. Your mileage may vary, of course. This is presented not to try and convert anyone, of course, uh, nor to make fun of anyone or shame anyone who is a practicing Catholic, but just so that basically we can all get on the same page. I think this is going to be important as we move forward, so I hope you all enjoy this little chat. But of course, before we get to that, Tom, welcome to what is most likely to be the most dulcet and velvety episode of Wittenberg to Westphalia ever recorded. Why, hello. <laughs> How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I can't wait to talk about Catholicism. Okay, well, that's why we're here. So let's just leap right on into it, if that's okay with you. Well, I just, uh, maybe at the outset, I should probably just uh, come right out and say I, I uh, look in my rearview mirror and I see lapsed Catholicism. Um, I've come quite a way since becoming a lapsed Catholic, a full-out atheist. Uh, I, I think you are correct and appropriate to call this an anthropological exercise. Uh, I'm one who grew up within the community, uh, but have consciously uncoupled from it. That's fair enough. Okay, so, in your recollections, or however you want to describe it, what are the key elements of the religious life of a typical modern Catholic person who's, you know, not currently an atheist, but also isn't like aspiring to be a saint or something? Um, so I sort of come out of the um, probably m maybe more typical in the United States, um, that dispassionate blue collar uh, 
obligatory Catholicism. Yeah, um, I mean, I think most religions have that strata, and that makes up the bulk of most religions. So, yes, yeah, so you say middle of the road. That that's sort of where it's at. You know, you go to church on Sundays. Um, you know, maybe your parents bribe you by promising to take you out to breakfast afterwards. <laughs> so that's no. why I can't get brunch reservations. Nope. That's okay. it. Um, you know, you probably believe in God. Um, you know, you believe Jesus is the son of God. Um, you probably don't really think too much of the Pope's opinions, to be honest. Um, you don't talk about it a lot. Uh, it's not really the, the main pillar of your, your life. Um, you know, it's something you do. You know, you, you don't eat meat on Fridays, you know, or, or you give something up during Lent. You tithe and you tithe and you tithe some more, um, you know, but you get your kids baptized because your mom would like it. Um, you send them to CCD because you went. And again, if they don't make their first communion or their confirmation, mom will be upset. So it's it's really tradition, guilt, and familial obligation that sort of mix together to, to form the glue that keeps the moderate Catholic sticking around. Sure. Let's delve a little bit deeper. How, how would you say your mom would reflect on these same things? Is it the same sort of inertia or, you know, not your mom specifically, but the mom in this, uh, this scenario that you've laid out? No, I think so. My parents, um, my parents were not deeply uh, religious. I don't think. I like, for instance, I wasn't. I wasn't baptized till I was about three or so, oh, okay. which is which is late. Yeah. Um. So my I know who it was. My dad's mom was really working. Okay. On that one. Um. Funny story, actually. Uh. If we if we can do that, can we? Sure. A little little sideways story. Um. So I I was I was unusually being baptized as someone who could talk. Uh, and you know I'm, I'm sitting in church and I'm I'm kicking the pew in front of me, and the priest comes over and he's like, "Now, Tommy, you're in God's house. You shouldn't kick things in God's house." And uh, I don't remember this obviously, but I've heard the story so many times. Apparently, I looked up at him and pointed and said, "I don't like you, and I don't like church." <laughs> And what a you know, that that sets the table for the rest of my life. Sure, <laughs> but um, but my grandparents, though, uh, to more seriously, my my grandparents were um, more devout uh, than my parents were. Okay, uh, and that that's that's both sets. Okay, um, so I don't know. They were the children of immigrants, right? So they probably had a little more of the the sterner old world Catholicism uh, mm -hmm. you know, hovering over them as they grew up. Sure. You touched on a bunch of stuff that I want to cycle back to. Uh, this is a little out of the order of our notes, but major life events. Obviously, baptism is something that is common across Christian uh, denominations. Are there the, What are the other big life events within a, a Catholic life? Uh, so you have your first confession. Okay. Um, you have your first communion. And eventually you will uh, be confirmed. Um, that's like now you're an adult in the eyes of the church. Sure. 
a lot of, uh, you know, most religions have sort of a, a coming of age process. Uh, could you tell us, so, uh, you said your first confession, so that's, you go into a private space with a priest and say what, you know, you did wrong. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's actually just you can do face to face confession. You you have the option to do face to face. Most people don't. Right. Um, but yeah, you you it's part of CCD. Um, you're trained like what to expect, and you know uh, you have a couple practice runs at it, and uh, then you eventually you know give your first confession with you know the priest, and it, it's it's sort of it's a necessary stepping stone to your first confirmation because in order to receive the Eucharist, you have to be in a state of grace. Right. And you can only get the state of grace by going to confession. Right. And so confession is sort of you um, say what you did and is, is uh, a penitence assigned generally? Yes. Usually uh, it's, you know, you know, Say three Our Fathers right. and ten Hail Marys. Right. Yeah. One of the interesting things in doing my research was the development of the confession. You know, in the beginning of the, the early Middle Ages, it didn't exist at all. And then over the course of the early Middle Ages, it was instituted, but it was mostly for monks. And so the, the penance, they had penance manuals, but the penance manuals were extraordinarily harsh. <laughs> like, it, you know, the, the common practices of a normal human being would result in more uh, penances that would take longer than the average person was alive during the Middle Ages. So <laughs> well, you, also, you still had like uh, flagellates at that time. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and you generally were supposed to confess in front of the entire congregation. And then, yeah, a lot of the penitences were, were corporal in nature. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's just for Opus Day now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so then the Eucharist is something that probably anyone who's interested in the topic of this show is basically familiar with. But if you want to walk, walk us through that as well. Um, well, so the Eucharist is, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the big dividing points that you'll be right. discovering, Ben. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> you know, now, unlike, uh, uh, unlike Lutherans and other Protestants who believe it's more symbolic, um, the Catholics doubled down um, mm -hmm. on the miracle of transubstantiation uh, in which while the priest is saying the blessings over the wafer cracker. Mm -hmm. It actually becomes the actual flesh of Jesus Christ. And the wine becomes the actual blood of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, so that's part of what we are consuming or the Catholic is consuming at Catholic mass. Right. Um, you know, this, this is an interesting take. Um, yes. But, and obviously like you're talking about your average Catholic doesn't actually believe that probably yeah but so you know yes but the ritual itself is uh, that's what very, it is it, yeah. it's very important you kneel down the priest gives you the wafer and some wine prayers are said etc um is this usually in a wider context or is it you know like a thing that you can just pop into church on a thursday 
Well, they give it at they give it at every mass, okay. I believe. Um, you know, you can go to mass every day. Oh, okay. uh, I think it, it's the it's the central um, act of of the mass is the receiving of the Eucharist. Um, now, as I said before, you do have to be in a state of grace, and they don't uh, do confession as part of mass. So you. It's a classic marketing strategy. It gets you in the door more times, right. you know, multiple times. So you have to go for confession when, when they have that available. And then, you know, be good and come back again for mass. Right. And you can receive the Eucharist. Okay. Um, that's interesting. How, wh- how often is uh, confession usually available? Is, is that on a... I think they have multiple days a week normally, usually two or three days a week where they, they have it scheduled, some hours blocked off. Okay. You know, they do try to work with, you know, the working um, schedule. Okay, cool. The working man schedule, I should say. Sure. So the, the big life events we covered were uh, baptism, first confession... What was it after that? It was, uh... Uh, first confession, first communion, uh, and then confirmation. Okay, and confirmation is there? Are there specific rituals associated with that, or is that? Um, it's an anointing with oil. So uh, you're becoming an adult in in the church. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the the culmination of your years of uh, of CCD, um, which is your your youth training, right? Uh, to be a Catholic and. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a big event. It's usually do it with your class, sort of. You know, so I went, I, I came, I come from a heavily Catholic town. Sure. So, you know, a lot of people I knew were making their confirmation at the same time. And this was interesting because the bishop actually came oh. uh, to do confirmations. And it, it's funny, he gets strapped into a chair. Um, because there's so many people lining up, and what he does is is you've selected a name uh-huh. for yourself as you will be an adult. I tried to pick Samson, but I wasn't allowed to because it has to be <laughs> New Testament or something like that. So uh, okay. I ended up picking Michael. Um, so when I went up to him, oh, um, and this is interesting because you actually need an adult sponsor that's not one of your parents. Oh, okay. Uh, who kind of will stand behind you with their hand on your shoulder, you know, giving. They're not asked any questions to my recollection, but it just a, they're vouching for you, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so the bishop strapped in. He, you know, puts some oil on his thumb, um, you know, welcomes you as uh, your confirmation name. You know, you are now Michael. Right. Um, in my case. And uh, then you go have a big party and everyone gives you envelopes full of money. Sure. Like you do. Like you do. Uh, of course, uh, for those who are familiar, the uh, parallels with bar and bat mitzvahs are, are interesting, at least in terms of the envelopes full of money. Although <laughs> there are differences there as well. But, um, <laughs> okay. So... So those are like the early life rituals. What what then? Well, I mean, then you have uh, well, you have your sacraments, right? Um, you know, so marriage is a sacrament. Sure. Uh, you know, did that. Um, you know, eventually you get your final rites. That's a sacrament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
holy orders is a sacrament, but not everybody does that, obviously. Right, sure. Um, so it's really hard to hit them all because you know, the priests can't marry and a lot of people don't become priests. So That makes collection difficult, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, so... Um... So let's double back to masses, because that you mentioned that there's masses every day. And that's pretty different from, you know, the, the parallel in my mind would be, you know, in in Judaism, we have weekly s- services on the Sabbath, and that's sort of the thing that everybody goes to. Um, but it seems like, uh, you know, well, in Judaism, you sort of have one shot in a week <laughs> uh, but with uh, with Catholicism you can go to masses all, all day and night I guess is, how's, well no how's no not, not quite like you know <laughs> they they'll have like a a mass available during the day you get your like blue haired old Italian ladies going to those mm-hmm. you know um, but you know Sunday's uh, Sunday's the big show you know that's okay. when everybody goes sure um you know, the, that's that's the day, that's the Sabbath. Right. You know, that's the day you're expected to go. Mm-hmm. You know, all the others just gravy. You know, that's just that's just kissing up for the afterlife. Okay. <laughs> cool. So what what does a mass consist of? We mentioned the Eucharist, but is there a uh, is there a service? Is there a set service? Is there a set set of rituals? Yeah. Um, yes, there is. A, so mass is between sixty and ninety minutes, depending on like how how real your your priest wants to be here okay um now luckily since vatican II, it's now available in english Great. um so since 1960 they weren't talking latin at you mm-hmm. um so that helps quite a bit um although i have to say that you know growing up jewish less impressive <laughs> gotcha fair point fair point okay. Um, yeah, there, there's lots of parts to it. So, without getting like, yeah, bogged down, there's lots of prayers, lots of music. It's it's a nice little production. Mm-hmm. Like it does sort of over, not overwhelm the senses, but you can get lost in the organ music. You know the 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 priest, you know, sort of incants at you and mm-hmm. not quite singing, not quite talking all the time. Um, you know, some priests are better at it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of callbacks and responses, you know, uh, yeah. by the congregation. Sure. Uh, the the structure of the Catholic Church is like the inside, physical, in, physically inside the Catholic Church. Yeah. Is usually, um, you know, it, it's not ornate. I don't want to sound like Savonarola, right? Sever, Severnarola, but um. You know, it's it's nice. It's marble. Usually, mm-hmm. it's wood. It has stained glass. Uh, nice carpets. You know, tapestries. Sure. Um, it 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 does kind of envelop your senses. Uh, you know, occasionally they walk up and down the aisle with incense. Okay. Um, Sometimes they walk up and down the aisle and they throw holy water at you. There's reasons they do this, and those have long escaped me. Okay. Uh, so that's not an every Sunday thing, That, but, like, it can be interactive okay. uh, in that way. But um, all of it's building up to ultimately the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. To get there... There's prayer. There's readings from the Bible. Okay. Um, usually two readings on a Sunday. 
uh, by other parishioners. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And then the priest will do a reading and then give his homily where, you know, he's prepared a little something, you know, to expound on the theme of the reading. So is that three readings total? Two parishioners? Yeah. Two parishioners and a, and the, the priest, yeah. Okay, cool. And then the homily, which is sort of, is that a sermon kind of thing? Yes, yeah, yeah homily okay. is a sermon. Okay. Yes. Okay, and then it, then is the Eucharist after that, or? And then the Eucharist comes after that. Okay. Now, if I were to go in on a Wednesday evening with all the blue-haired Italian ladies, mm-hmm. would it be more, would it be pretty much the same, you know, given accepting that there are no holidays or anything like that, which mm-hmm. I understand might be a little bit hit or miss given the number of saints days, but it's we somehow managed to get a completely normal week. Um, if I went in on the Wednesday and I went in on the Sunday, would it be basically the same mass? I think I think it would be. Um, Got to be honest, never went during the week. <laughs> okay, fair. So don't quote me on it. Okay, that's fair. Are there private devotions that someone who is maybe a little bit more observant would do at home? Are there any private rituals or things along those lines that someone might do? Well, um, there are, there's the rosary. Sure. Um, I think that's a, I would classify that as a, a private devotional. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that's, uh, for, I mean, in the simplest terms, it's just an aid to remembering to say a certain number of prayers. Right. Okay. And you can do that, you know, whenever, wherever. Yeah. You can do that wherever, whenever, um, and I mean, obviously, you can you can pray wherever and however you want to. Sure. Um, you know, the, the theological interpretation is in the Catholic Church is certainly left to the ordained, right, uh, and the Vatican. But you know, you are allowed to try to uh, communicate with the deity on your own, right? Um, you know, just in, in a devotional sense. Um. Okay. Uh, and obviously you can actually occasionally they have something called the stations of the cross mm-hmm. where you can go to church, not at a mass, but to a parish. And um, they walk you through, uh, I forget the number, but there's a number of stations uh, of the cross, which is sort of a reenactment of uh, Jesus's um, crucifixion march. Sure. Right. Um, for holidays, other than, you know, going to church and hearing a mass, which seems to be pretty standard. Um, are there, and you know, in, um, particularly Catholic countries, there's, you know, festivals and parades and, and all that stuff. Are there any extra church, uh, observances that would happen as part of holidays other than, you know, the secular stuff like getting drunk on St. Patrick's day. Right. Um, so I'm going to come out and say, man, saints feasts. Yeah. That's where it's at. Okay. Um, no, <laughs> uh, it, it's, and I don't even mean this like derogatorily. Yeah. Great fundraising opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, for the churches. Um, they usually 
bring in like a carnival company and mm -hmm. uh you know parishes you know will get it people will volunteer from the parish and i remember um the feast of saint anthony at our lady of chestahova a polish catholic parish my grandparents went to um <laughs> now my my grandpa he climbed poles for at&t um, and he ended up, he, he did all the electrical work for the church for free. Oh, wow. Um, and my grandma, uh, volunteered, she'd spend like the two weeks before making pierogies, hundreds and hundreds of pierogies <laughs> for the food tent. Um, it was awesome. Bless her and, heart. Yes. No, I think it was make, awesome. I, I think that no matter the religion, no matter the denomination, making pierogies or any kind of stuffed dough food is uh is a holy act it is, it re is revered it is revered <laughs> uh, and it was you know it was social for them as much as devotional sure, um yeah. and i just have so many happy memories you know from from riding the rides there and you know spending time with my family and later my friends at these things every year you could count on it and and it was it was really cool um uh, i just also I'm going to come right out and say, uh, in terms of holidays, though, mm -hmm. Easter doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> Rabbits, chickens, lambs, <laughs> make up your mind. Cer certainly, the, right? uh, certainly the uh, Americanized, commercialized version of Easter. Yeah, make yeah. up your mind. <laughs> Cadbury's not helping. No. No, they're the... Rab Rabbits don't balk. <laughs> Cadbury is the Coca-Cola... As Cad as Coca Cola is to Christmas, Cadbury is to Easter. <laughs> but but I, I I kid. Um, holiday yeah. wise, like well, first of all, Christmas crushes Easter. But right, religiously, uh, in terms of religion, Easter is the big deal in the right, Catholic of calendar. Of course, um, because. And I'm not adding commentary here. Okay. Catholicism focuses more on the death of Jesus than on the birth of Jesus, mm -hmm. and that's that's just theological. Right. Um, the death is is a necessary part of redemption. Right. Um, but the Easter masses, you know, uh, there's the Holy Week coming up to it. You know, there's mm -hmm. Ash Wednesday that marks the beginning of Lent. Um, then you get to the Holy Week. You have Holy Third, uh, Holy Friday. Holy Thursday. Holy Thursday, Good Friday. I forget what Saturday is called. Probably just Saturday. And then Easter Sunday. Um, and, and it's just cool. The bright colors come out. Um, lots of flowers. It, they do try to make it a celebration, even though it's got this weird... They do try to focus on the resurrection more than the crucifixion. Sure. Um, but it's... It's a good time for the church mm -hmm. on those days. Those those masses are always they feel the most special. Right. Sure. So I guess the one last thing is um, when in in Judaism there's sort of uh, there's all these bits to the service and they're all very important, but then sometimes like when you're at camp and we need to go do something, then maybe we focus on the one or two bits that we really need to do or, you know, something along those lines. Um, in, in Catholicism, you know, mass has all these things. It seems like they're fairly set, but like if you're in a war and you're about to 
Storm Normandy or something, like, is there an express version? Is, is there, like, a key thing that you... Is it the communion? Or the, the, the Eucharist? It seems like... Uh, or is there just not a way to prioritize? I think there probably be. So, little story. Um, when I was making my, my confirmation, part of the, uh, the deal was you had to prove you went to Mass. Uh, so you needed what was called the bulletin. Okay. Um, now, you didn't always have time to go to the full 90-minute Mass every Sunday. Mm-hmm. But I lived by a hospital called Muhlenberg Hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a, a thing there, which I looked up to try to find the specifics of it. But it was like a 15-minute long Mass for people who were visiting the hospital huh. or dying at the hospital. So you sure. didn't have time. Um, and... It was fantastic. It was certainly had uh, the Our Father. It certainly had the Eucharist, and probably had the Nicene Creed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they probably skipped the readings by the parishioners because it was a, a right. transient community. Sure. Um, and probably just did the uh, the liturgy, which is you know the the reading by the priest. Um, or I'm sorry, the gospel, which was the reading by the priest. And it was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But if I'm, if I'm in front of a battle though, if say I'm a devout Catholic and yeah. you know, I'm going into battle. I think the thing you want to do, um, is be absolved of your sins. Mm hmm more and and if and if anything else then receive the eucharist okay so confession and then eucharist yeah now obviously if you're already in line and you know you only have one priest i don't know if he can throw out blanket up absolutions (laughs) like t-shirts right um in fact i think they did away with that kind of thing but cool (laughs) yeah that's what i'd want i'd want to be I'd want to be going into battle in a state of grace because if I die, I don't want to go to hell. Right. Of course. Because I've been, my entire life has been spent telling me to avoid this thing. Right. So cool. Um, so is there anything else that you think, um, an outsider like me and most of my listeners should know about, uh, Catholic practice on a sort of day to day, regular basis? Don't mess with bingo. Oh, okay. Don't cheat at bingo. Don't interrupt bingo. Bingo on Friday nights is very important. Okay. (laughs) I think I could say that about several modern American uh, religious denominations as well, but uh, that's great. Okay. Well, Tom, uh, thank you very much for uh, indulging me in this conversation. Where Where can people find you? Uh, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at American underscore bio, um, American biography on Facebook. That's about it. I think. Okay. What's your show? <laughs> My show is American biography. Okay. A podcast, uh, about uh, individuals who, um, may not be as, uh, as well known as your big names, uh, like your Washington's and your Roosevelt's, but, uh, who nonetheless were very important in, uh, developing and um, defining the United States. Great. 
Ben, thank you for having me today. Um, I appreciate uh, your invitation and for you putting up with my my glibness um, <laughs> in terms of Holy Mother Church. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, happy to help, and I, I hope I'm right on what I said. Um, if not, I'm sure your listeners will, will yeah. let me know. Yeah, and uh, just you know, for the listeners, if anybody has anything to add or comments to make, um, we're I'm. All emails should be directed at me. It's my show. I'm responsible for this. Uh, but uh, give me, shoot me a line, uh, the email, the Facebook, all that fun stuff. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Where are we? Oh, okay, we're, we're right at it. We're doing well on time. Um, which never happens when I'm doing interviews. <laughs> um, That's because of all the things you said I wasn't allowed to say about the Catholic <laughs> Church. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.